What's up, Passionate Life Church? Oh, man, yes. Hey, for the ladies, I personally want to invite you. I love partnering together for the kingdom of God. I love partnering and seeing what God, I believe we're better together as, as Christians, as sisters in Christ, and so I want to invite you to that. But this morning, I'm just so grateful, as always, to be able to be in this house. Um, I love you guys. I love your team and your pastors, and specifically, Pastors Andrew and Don. I want to tell you personally how thankful Mike and I are to have you in our life, to walk with us. Like, we get to see the behind the scenes, and I've been praying. I have been praying that this is the year of, I think about when you guys what it took, like nobody knows what it took to come and leave everything. And they didn't ask me to say this, by the way, the Holy Spirit did. But like, I just want to honor you because you have sowed in tears and you have sowed year after year after year. And I am praying that this is a year of greater harvest than you've ever experienced. Amen. I'm praying for you, believing for you and your team in this church that God has positioned you here for such a time as this. And so we're cheering you on. And I just counted a privilege to get to do this with you. So thank you for having me. This morning, the word that God has given me uh, for today, I feel like when I was praying about it, it was just really simple. And I was like, God, this is, is this too simple? Is this too simple? And then I feel like he reminded me, life is chaotic, right? Life, we're like overstressed overwhelmed. It's super chaotic. And sometimes what we need is a simple but powerful reminder to bring us back to our priorities. Okay. So, so today I want to challenge us, talk to us about what does it look like to live a life walking with Jesus, really walking with Jesus, right? Not just what we say, And so this message primarily is going to be for the believers today. I believe every single one of us can get something out of it. But this is a challenge to those that identify themselves as Christians. So if you're like, I'm a a Christian, I'm a follower of Christ, the definition of a Christian per Google is this, a person who believes or claims, also definition in the Bible, by the way, but this is what Google says, okay? A person who believes or confesses, Uh, They believe in Jesus Christ, so that's the first part, and what? Follows his teachings, so that's something we say and something we do. Being a follower of Christ means walking how he walked. So in 1 John 2.6, it says, whoever claims, all right? So any of us, we say, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Christ, whoever claims to live in him must walk as he walked. It's kind of like in Matthew where it says, by, by your fruit you will be known, by the actions that come out of your life. Walking with Jesus is shown by what we do, church, not just by what we say. So today, today's a personal inventory. It's like we're holding up a mirror and we're looking in that mirror and we're evaluating. You know that old saying, like, Help me out with it. You can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk, right? That's kind of what the challenge is today. We're taking a good look at our lives and considering this. How much of what we say, how much of what we sing, think about the lyrics of some of your favorite worship songs that we sing. Man, those are powerful, right? What we're claiming to be our belief and our faith. In other words, is what we're saying matching where we're stepping, in our everyday 
lives. Now, I do want to clarify this because this is really important. This is not a message about a religious checklist of how to be approved by God. This is not that because Jesus was against the spirit of religion. It misses the heart of it completely. This is not about how to earn your salvation because the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, it is for by grace that we have been saved through faith, not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, lest any one of us can boast. We cannot earn our salvation. We cannot lose our salvation. This is not that conversation. This is the challenge for us, those that say, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Christ. This is a a checkpoint for our hearts to stop and say, okay, how's it really going? Is what I'm saying matching how I'm stepping in my everyday life? Galatians 6, 4 says this, each one should test his own actions. Say, his own actions. All right, we're supposed to look at our own lives and then we can take pride or this is a good form of pride. It's confidence. Walk confidently. Then each one can take pride in themselves without comparing themselves to somebody else. So the challenge this morning is, because it's like when you're listening to a message, it's so easy to think about that person, right? Who needs to hear this message so much? You know what I'm talking about. You're thinking of them already, right? No, 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 no. The Bible says each one test. Look, and just like King David said, this is what we're doing today. Search me, God. I open up my heart before you. Search me, try me, show me if there's any wickedness, and lead me in the path of righteousness. That's what today's challenge is, so that we can walk confidently before the Lord. We cannot walk confidently before the Lord when we're looking at someone else's spiritual walk Because then we're tempted to say, oh, you know what? I'm not that bad. You see what they're doing? I'm good. We can't walk confident that way. God says, let let me take a look in your own heart. So I'm asking us right now, if you're willing to do this, church, to hold up the spiritual mirror today and to really evaluate, is what I'm saying matching where I'm stepping as I'm trying to live a life walking with Jesus? You guys ready to do that with me? Because I've been doing it all week, and he has been showing me some things. The reality is, left to ourselves in our human nature, I mean, think about this. Like, we wake up, and our human nature, our flesh, just naturally pulls us off course, right? The way we are tempted to respond, the way we feel, it's, it's, it's constantly in a battle, and it's a lifelong journey. Who knows this? Man, this is a lifelong long journey. We never arrive at a destination following Jesus. It's a constant, it's a constant trying to keep in step with the Spirit. And sometimes we get off course just, just like a little bit, right? And it's, it's tempting to be like, well, to settle in our little compromises. I, wa- I want you to think about it like this. It helps me when I think about like a ship in a, in a port and um, let's just say it has a certain destination in mind, and, and where it starts out, it sets a specific latitude and longitude. Well, if it gets off just a couple degrees, right, over time, it will end up at a completely different continent, right? Over time, just with a couple degrees off, just a little bit, and it ends up in a different destination than was intended for it. That's the same in our spiritual life. There is a path and a plan and a purpose that God has for us. 
And when we allow ourselves to compromise and get out of alignment, even just a little bit, let me tell you, it leads us to the outcomes and the destinations that God does not want for us. And that's why it's important to constantly check and get us back in step. And so in Galatians 5, 16, he says, so I say, so I say, church, live by the spirit and you will not gratify or walk in the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other. They're at war. How many of you know and you experience this daily? You get that text. Our first response usually isn't like uh, real spiritual, right? That's our flesh warring against with our natural responses. And so in this next passage in Galatians, what I want to do for the first part of the message is uh, I want to break apart this passage as a way to help us evaluate where we're at. Are we walking more in the flesh? Right? Because there's some red flags. The Bible gives us some red flags to let us know where are we at? And what, should, what would it look like? How does it manifest in our everyday life when we're walking in the spirit? And so I'm a visual person. I'm like a visual learner. How many of you guys are visual learners out there? It helps me when I have like word pictures. And so I brought, I brought, I brought some shoes today. All right. I brought some shoes that will help us as we break apart. What are the red flags of what it looks like when we're walking in our flesh? And that's going to be like this path. And then what, what is the fruit that should be coming out of our life when we're walking in the spirit? So the first one is this in verse 18 or 19, it says, the acts of the sinful nature, or let's just say it like this, the red flags, right? Because we're evaluating right now. The red flags of when we know we're walking more in our sinful nature are obvious. Now, I brought these. Look. These are fleshly shoes. Can you tell? I like them, though. They're date night shoes. These are fleshly shoes. But I feel like they're very fitting for our first red flag, right? So, What are some ways that we kind of, our red flags for us, we're known, hey, you know what? I'm getting off track a little bit. Well, it says, what does it say right here? It says impurity, sexual immorality. Listen, when we start to get pulled back to those addictions or those lustful thoughts or or we're making little compromises and, and we are thinking about somebody that's not our spouse in a way that doesn't honor God, doesn't take us towards the path that God has for us, we know we're being pulled more in the flesh. What else does it say? It says debauchery, idolatry. Some of you guys, we just need to go look up some of this stuff for the sake of time. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, causing discord, separation, separating relationships and gossiping, jealousy. When these things are coming out of our life, we know we are being led by the flesh. And that takes us down a road to outcomes in our relationships that destroys us. That's what the enemy wants. That's not the path God has for us. This next one, fits of rage. Okay, I didn't really relate at first. Look, I got my second pair. Oh, where's the other one? Oh, y'all, it fell out. It fell out somewhere in my car. So we only have one. All right, but it's so cute. This next one, all right, fits of rage. I just have to be honest. Last, uh, last week or whatever, my husband and I, we were having a, we were a conversation. Got a little heated, right? We were having a little fight. And all of a sudden, I like found myself doing this. No joke. It's sad. No joke. And Mike looked at me and he said, and how old are we? 
He said, did you just stomp your feet? And I was like, yeah, that's embarrassing. I did. And before I knew it, it's like, okay, a red flag of like walking in the uh, flesh is when all of a sudden our tone gets louder, our words get angrier, our body is having a hard time controlling it. We are walking in the emotions of the flesh and it's damaging to our relationships. Telltale sign we're walking in the flesh. I don't know where the other one is, but is, is honestly, we may not say, yeah, I throw fits or whatever. We're adults. We throw fits, right? We throw fits with our kids and our marriages. Those are, that's, a, that's a gauge to look at if we're walking in the flesh. And it goes on. Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Now, listen, I just have to note this right here. Remember how we talked about not comparing our walk? I think it's kind of comical, funny, not funny, when people like make excuses for, for the way that they uh, vent about people to other people, causing dissension, causing discord, and they're like, oh, I'm just la, 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 la. You know what? It's right up there with orgies. I'm just saying. Side note, put that for later. So moving on, those are some of the acts of the flesh that are red flags that have shown us, hey, we're off track a little bit. Let's talk about uh, the fruits that should be coming out of our life, meaning literally what is, I don't want you to just think about this as in you've, you've heard this before, the fruits of the Spirit. Think about, as I have, your responses and conversations. Think about what is literally coming out of your life and my life, and that will show us where we're at if we're keeping in step with the Spirit, walking with Jesus, or if we've gotten off track a little bit. And so, so the fruit of the Spirit, I'm going to pull out the, the Jesus sandals. Look, these are, any guys have these? These are my husband's. It's the closest I could get to it. These remind me of Jesus sandals. So, so how did he walk? The fruit of the Spirit is, what comes out in that conversation? Is it love? Am I walking with a heart, assuming the best about people, wanting the best for them, full of love, joy? Listen, it, it's not saying what circumstances are we in. It's saying what's coming out of our life in those circumstances. Is it love? Is it joy? Is it conversations that lead towards peace and unity? Or is it dissension and discord that lets us know where we're at? Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and Lord help us, self-control, right? Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the sinful natures with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, church, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us constantly evaluate and get back on track because God does have good plans for our life. He does have good purposes, and he knows walking in this way will lead to that. And so this first passage, I just wanted to equip us with something that we can go back to on a regular basis. It's that spiritual mirror we can hold up and say, how's it going? Lord, test me and try me. So as we shift kind of to the next part of the message, I want us to look practically at a couple stories that kind of show us how Jesus, how Jesus himself, God in flesh, like sometimes we can, we can hear these stories and they just get normal. I never want that to happen. How did he... How did he practically live out his life, and, and what can we learn from that? How can we follow in that? And as I was studying and praying, there was two things that really stood out, two consistent themes. No matter where he was, no matter who he was with or what he was doing, what he was trying to accomplish, 
two things were consistent. And it is very simple. I'm going to tell you this again. It is very simple. But simple doesn't mean easy. And, and sometimes things that are simple can be life-changing. And so I, I'm asking you, as I have prayed about all week, if you would follow and implement these things in our life as our Savior did, I believe it would be life-changing for your homes. I believe it will be life-changing for your ministry, for your workplaces, wherever you are. And it's this right here. Jesus really saw people. He really saw people and he stopped for them. I want to explain it to you in a story. Matthew chapter 20, 29 says, As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a a large crowd followed them. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. So picture this, Jesus and a bunch of people and his disciples, they're going somewhere. I'm sure they're accomplishing something for the ministry. And then there was two blind men off to the side, and they start hollering out for Jesus because they're in need. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Help us. The crowd, what did they do? The people following Jesus, they were like, be quiet. Hey, don't bother him. They hushed him. They said, be quiet. But what did they do? I love this. They cried all the louder. And they said, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And what did Jesus do in verse 32? It says, Jesus stopped. While everyone else was telling them to be quiet, they had more important things to do. Jesus stopped. And then he looked at them and he said, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, they answered, we want our sight. And look at this, Jesus, it says, Jesus had compassion. Really seeing people is not just about our eyes. It's about our heart being moved with compassion like Jesus. Because we see people all the time, but we don't really see people. Jesus had compassion on them and he touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight. So much of our life, Listen, church, so much of our life, we have our running shoes on, right? We're running to this. We're busy for this. We've got things to do, places to be. We've got to accomplish this. And some of those things are really, really good and important things. But we are walking in the flesh. If we are too busy running, 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 doing our own things, that we don't have time to stop for the people in our lives that have need. That's when we're walking in the flesh. When we're walking in the spirit, we make time for hurting people. People should be our first priority because people were Jesus's priority. Think about it, church. Think about all throughout scripture. When you literally picture the stories of Jesus, think about the woman who had the issue of blood. He stopped. He looked at her. He made time for her. Think about the lepers that no one else would touch. They wouldn't go near. They wouldn't make time for it. They were lost causes. Jesus did. He went to them. He went to Zacchaeus. He went to the tax collectors. He went to the broken and the lame and the hurting. That was his priority. More than what he had to accomplish. More than what he had to do. He stopped. He looked at them and he cared for them. I know we're busy. I know we've got things to do, but my prayer as the Lord has been beautifully convicting me is something in my life is gonna fall. Something is gonna drop, right? We can't do all the things. Parents and grandparents and even kids in school and we're stressed and there's so much stuff to do and I'm just like, Lord, 
I want to walk confidently in you and how I can do that is putting people first. And so if something falls, may it not be the people in my life that you've entrusted me with. Because that's what it looks like to walk following Jesus. There's a, there's a passage in scripture, a story in scripture, and it comes right off of the heels of a, a heated conversation with the Pharisees. Like that was the religious spirit Jesus was always, you know, uh, being tested with and fighting back against. And they're here, the Pharisees were about to pick up in the story where they've just kind of like been trying to trap him up with his words. And they're talking about what does it look like, uh, what does it really look like to live out the greatest commandment? which living out the greatest commandment would be following Jesus, right? It's exactly what we're talking about. And so he says to them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so they're like, well, who's our neighbor, right? So we jump into that conversation in Luke chapter 10 and verse 30. And he says, in reply to the Pharisees, this is what Jesus says. He's like, okay, You want to know what it means to follow me. You want to know what it means to really love the Lord your God with all your heart. I'll give you a story that shows you that. Here's the example to follow. So in verse 30, in reply to that, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell into the hands of robbers. So this man was on a journey. You guys may have heard this story before, but listen with fresh ears. All right, he's going on a journey and all of a sudden he gets mugged. They strip him down, they beat him, and they leave him there half dead. So I want you to picture, I want you to just picture this in your mind. Picture that man there, humiliated, beaten, he can't get up, he's laying there, helpless, just been robbed. So it says, a priest happened to be going down that same road. So here's the man. The priest comes by and he sees him, but then what does it say? It says he passed by, he saw the man, but then he passed by on the other side. Then it says, so too a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. So two people, they come up, they see this man hurting, and for whatever reason, it doesn't say why. We can judge their motives all we want. All we know is they see him and they keep on walking by. But in verse 33, but... A Samaritan, as he traveled, he came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He had compassion on him. That's the difference right there. It's not just seeing someone. It's really seeing them and allowing their eyes and their heart to connect and their heart to break. And it says he took pity on him and then he went to him. He bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. He took the man on his own donkey And he took care of them. Walking as Jesus did is being willing to be inconvenienced, taking your own comfort. Listen, when it says he put him on his own donkey, you know what that means for the man? He had to walk. He had to walk. I'm sure he wasn't planning on walking. And in the next verse, it talks about he took his own money and paid for the man's bills. Walking a life with Jesus means being willing to be inconvenienced. We're not running and so busy doing our own thing and our own agendas. We are willing to stop and say, whatever I have is the Lord's. Whatever I have is for his people. So if it means being inconvenienced of my energy, of my time, of my money, whatever it takes, God, it's yours. That's 
That's what it looks like to live a life. I told you, simple, but not always easy. I remember as a girl, I used to, I used to hear this story, and I don't know if you guys are like this, but I used to hear this story, and I would get mad at the priest. Anybody? I read this story, and I'm like, how dare you have the title of priest? Right? And I used to get mad at the Levite. How could you? How could you see that man hurting and walk on by? And then the Holy Spirit brought that sweet conviction as I pray and he does now. And he gives me a picture and he says, okay, how many times in your guys' relationships or your marriages have you beat each other down time and time again over the years and one of you in some area of your life is lying there broken a little beat up and how many times church do we know someone's there beaten up emotionally and we just walk on by for whatever reason that happens all the time oh, like who are we who are we seeing but not stopping for because we can be real judgmental of the priest and the Levite, but we do this every day. Can we be real? We do this every day. And sometimes we're not even seeing them. Sometimes, let's just get real honest, sometimes we're so busy accomplishing, doing, uh, even if it's good things, right, on the phones, whatever, that the people in our lives, such as our kids, they might be hurting, and we might not even know about it because we haven't made the time to be intentional to ask. Living and walking in step with the Spirit is being intentional to stop and to train our hearts to see and care about the people in our life. There was a couple in our church years and years and years ago. So we got together with them. We have known them for like a couple decades. And about a month ago, we got to eat dinner together. And this is a couple that they... They love the Lord. They're faithful. They're about 15 years older than us, and we've looked up to them. And they shared with us real vulnerably. They were like, I mean, they were on the board. I don't know if I just said this, but they were on the board of one of the churches we were at. And they were like, Mike, Nicole, we just want to share with you, like, we, we love the Lord and our faith is strong, but we, we actually have left the church and as a whole. And it broke my heart, and we were talking through it. But you know the memory that she recalled as she was telling me? 15 years ago, this obviously scarred her and wounded her, 15 years ago, she had had a, a surgery that was a lot harder on her than she thought it would be. And it was tough on their family. They had little kids at the time. And she said, not one person, not one believer in my life was there for me. Not one. Not one meal. Nothing. That is the memory that stayed with her forever. And I was, I was praying about this and thinking about it and how it affects us and our lives and the people we're trying to reach. How many people are walking away because in their greatest time of need, we're too busy? And this isn't for somebody else. This is for me. This is for you. The time we should be there the most, the time we should drop everything else and be there for people is in their times of greatest need. When their marriages are falling apart, when they've lost a loved one, yes, when they have surgery. And this isn't just for pastors to do, guys. This is for believers. This is for every believer in our life. Who are we seeing but not stopping for? 
my husband and I were talking about this, and the, and the keyboard player can come on up. My husband and I were talking about this this week, and he was like, Nicole, as I was sharing with him this message, and he was like, Nicole, I think that just like what you were talking about, because our, our human nature is to kind of just, even with not bad intentions, but is to get distracted, right? Is to get kind of on our own, on our own thoughts, our own track. How can we practically do this? Because if we're in this place and we say, I want to do this, I want to walk like this, right? But I do get distracted. We are full of flesh. How can we practically be equipped to do this? Well, there's two things that I want to challenge us with. And Mike and I are going to do this for 21 days. And we want to invite you, church, to do it with us. For 21 days, here's two things that I'm going to ask us to do that will help us practically start forming a habit to walk this out, to deny that flesh and to try to get back in alignment with the, with the path that God is calling us to follow. And it's this. Instead of waking up in the mornings and saying, God, what do you want me to do for you today? Instead of that, let's shift the language to God, who do you want me to love? Who do you want me to love? My eyes are open and my heart is willing. Who do you want me to love? Just that intentional prayer alone, I promise you, if you pray that prayer, because I've done this before, you're going to be amazed at how many people in your life that were all around you that were in need that you didn't even see. So that's the first thing. Will you do that with me? 21 days of waking up and intentionally saying, God, show me who you want me to love. And the second thing is this. Think about when Jesus stopped for the blind men. What did he say? He asked them, what can I do for you? What do you want me to do for you? He knew they were blind, obviously, but he asked. And he did that over and over again in the scriptures. I think a lot of times what happens in the church and it almost rubs people the wrong way is, is they, they hear about something that someone's going through and maybe with good intentions, whatever, they say, man, I'm really sorry about that. I'm going to pray for you. And they move on. Hear me. There is power in prayer. We are called to prayer. I'm not belittling that. What I'm saying is don't use that comment as an excuse to do nothing. Because you show me in the scriptures where Jesus saw someone hurting. He saw someone broken. And he said, hey, I'm going to pray for you. And he moved on. Did he walk like that? Or did he say, what can I do for you? What can I practically do for you? Church, if we would say, God, who do you want me to love? And then when he shows us, if we would say to them, how can I come alongside you right now? Ask them, what can I do for you practically? Now let's take it a step further because the reality is that single mom or most people are not going to be like, well, technically I need a date night. We're out of gas. Uh, we could use some groceries. Oh, a good massage would be nice, right? Like no one hardly is going to say that, but we're all in need. Look at what happened with the good Samaritan. The man got down, he assessed the needs and he took care of them. Can we do that? Can we start practically living and walking in the footsteps of Jesus? And if anything falls in our life, let it not be the people all around us, starting in our own homes, in our workplaces, wherever we go, there are people that are broken and hurting and they need us to start seeing them and stopping for them again. I'm gonna ask you right now, would you go ahead and just stand to your feet? And as... As we respond, it is simple. And 
I pray that this simple but hopefully challenging and kind of eye-opening message, I pray God has been moving in your heart, convicting, kind of drawing you back, aligning back on path to the life and the purposes that he has for you. And if that's you in this place and, and you're, you're, you're wanting to say, Lord, search me. I open up my heart. Pull, take away these, these fleshly desires, these things that I'm struggling with, and help me to walk as you've called me to walk. If that's you in this room, I'm going to ask you with me right now, put your hands just up as a form of surrender right here, and I want to pray over you in this time of response. Lift up those hands to the Lord. God, I come before you, your daughter, with other brothers and sisters in Christ, and Lord, I'm sorry for overcomplicating this life. I'm sorry for being too busy with my agenda or my purposes or my plans. I'm sorry when we overlook the people that are right around us, our neighbors, our kids, our family. God, help us to be willing to be inconvenienced, to give of our time and our energy, Lord, and to not just say that we're your followers, but Lord, to live it out in every area of our life. God, I pray that you would take our open hands that you would move in our spirits and there would be changes made in our hearts because all you want us to do is be willing, Lord. I pray that you would take this and our commitment to you and that you would bring healing, healing and restoration, Lord, because right now I see people who normally would walk by after that fight. I see them stopping and tending to the heart of their loved one. I see them putting something down and prioritizing their family again. Lord, I see it through your spirit, God, and I pray that over our lives that neighbors would come to salvation because they're their priority again, God. I just pray that you would have your way and that we would be people who would love others well, God. Have your, have your way in us. We love you. We want to walk more closely with you. In Jesus' name, amen.